Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey. And we're three average gals chatting about what it means to grow <laughs> because we have our friend Julia here again. Hi, everyone. Hi, Julia. Hiya. We are really excited to have you back. We've been talking about it for weeks. For real. And for everybody listening, if you haven't listened to parts really one and two of our body image topics, go back and check that out because Julia was great the first time around. Thank you. Yeah. And I was listening a few weeks ago to one of y'all's episodes and you mentioned something about body image and getting me back on and I got a little excited. So (laughs) here we are. Yeah. I feel like it's been something that's been weighing, oh, honestly didn't mean to use that word, but great word for this. It's been weighing on um, our minds a lot lately. And so, yeah, it just felt right. We were like, this is something that everybody deals with um, in one way or another. And so it's great to to talk about it. Mm-hmm. One thing that I feel like we didn't talk that much about the first time around is kind of your relationship with your body and how you manage it. Um, so if will you share a little bit about that and also maybe a little bit about what you do if you're just now listening for the first time and you don't really know Julia's background. So my day-to-day work is is working with clients with eating disorders. So we talk quite a bit about body image. We talk about it in individual sessions. We talk about it in groups. Um, so a lot of the work I'm doing while healing their relationships with food is also healing their relationships with their bodies. So one misconception is that dietitians only deal with the food piece of working with clients. But what I've really embraced in my current role is also working on the body image piece with clients and helping them like feel more comfortable and feel safer in their bodies because our relationships with our bodies and food are so um, interconnected. So, you know, as you're healing one, you have to heal the other. Otherwise you go back to some disordered behaviors with your food or with your body. So I've really learned a lot about healing your relationship with your body through my current role. And it's helped me grow in my my own relationship with my body because as I'm doing work with clients and sharing what I believe about bodies, it it really sinks in. My beliefs about my own body start to sink in even more. And that's how I know that body image work works, right? Like the things that I'm asking my clients to do actually works because it does for myself as well, just through talking about it with them. So that's kind of the the background of of who I am and what I do on a daily basis. And I got into this work because when I was in grad school in North Carolina with you two, um, I was introduced to the idea of intuitive eating. And one of the principles of intuitive eating is respect your body. So, you know, what I was being taught in school about nutrition is there's only one way to eat and and all you have to do is follow this this way of eating and count this and monitor this and intuitive eating really kind of turned that on its head and it really asked us to kind of look inward for how to eat and how to move our bodies and I was like this makes a lot more sense than than you know someone externally telling us what to do and then when I found that principle about respecting your body, I was like, oh, and this is the piece that I can apply to, to working on body image. Um, so that's kind of how I started 
working on body image myself and and also um, for my future work with individual clients. Okay, so one word I just heard you use that I don't know that I've ever heard described when talking about like body image is that you said that you are working with people who don't feel safe in their body. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so safe comes up a lot in safety in our bodies because um, a lot of times our relationship with our bodies are fractured because of a trauma that we've experienced or maybe small traumas throughout our lifetime. So, you know, the, the context in which we're learning about our body and we're developing body image really varies person to person. So for some people, they learn about their bodies primarily from family members, um, could be from parents who diet quite a bit and talk about their bodies all the time and how they would change their bodies. It could be from a traumatic event. If you've had a sexual assault, a lot of times you're going to feel very unsafe in your body because that autonomy was taken from you. Um, you might also feel unsafe in your body if if you've dealt with weight stigma. So for our clients who are in larger bodies, a lot of times you know they've been stigmatized because of their weight and the beliefs that our society has about people in larger bodies. So all of those things start to fracture that relationship and you start to feel like I'm not safe in my current body. So a lot of the work we're doing is helping people like the process is called embodiment of we're trying to help them with that so that they do feel safe and comfortable um, given all of those circumstances and knowing that those things that happened to them were not because of them or because of their bodies. Um, A lot of eating disorder clients and just people in general, we tend to, because we have those those fractured relationships with our bodies, when something goes wrong, we go first to blame our body. Okay, I didn't get that job. It must be because of the way I look or the way they they perceived me. Or more commonly, this person broke up with me or that relationship didn't work because of my body. If I had just been thinner, then they would have been more accepting of me or you know, my mom wouldn't pick on me as much as if if my body looked differently. So we're kind of working through all of those ways in which we blame our bodies and shifting that blame over towards like what's actually happening. Yeah. So that's kind of why we focus on safety in your body. I love that you keep referring to it as a relationship with your body, because I feel like this is a shift that I've personally made in the last maybe year. I never really thought about being in relationship to my body or with my body. And I think that I had been in a habit of like blame and that is not, I'm I'm just thinking about how in, you know, romantic relationships, you hear the advice of like, it's you two against the problem, not you two against each other. And I think that same advice applies here. Oh yeah. Uh, That lends perfectly into how shifting, shifting into relationship in general, like your relationship with your body is just like any other relationship. That's also what um, like I teach and and I promote is that, like you said, when, when you're in a romantic relationship, it's work. And that's what I tell my clients as well. It's not something that comes easily, your relationship with your body. It's something that every day you have to wake up and choose to put work into and like make that choice to, to love your body. And if you're not in a place where you can love your body, it's making a choice to kind of 
okay, let me just first get to neutrality. Like, how can I just move from instead of having these negative thoughts, just having some more neutral thoughts. So that's, that's exactly the framework that I use is, is helping people see that that body image is just like any other relationship. And, you know, if you're struggling in your other relationships and understanding what a healthy relationship looks like, it's going to be hard for you to heal a body image. So that's why a lot of people who are working on body image specifically are also in therapy. They might be doing some things to just work on relationships in general, but that's how I view it. And, and that's how I like the approach I take with my own relationship with my body is seeing it as something that I need to work on every day. So, you know, when I've done a lot of work to to better understand what my body needs from me and what it's asking for me when I am having a bad body image day. So I know that's a, a big thing as well that we talk about at work is sometimes you have what are called bad body image days when it just feels like you're all of your attention is going to your body more than on other days, for example. And like what I view that is, is like my body is needing something right now that I'm not giving to it. Right. So that's something, an approach we take with our clients too is, okay, if you're having a bad body image day, it's not your body, right? It's not about your body really. So what, what are you needing that you're not getting right now? And how do we get that? So like for me personally, if I'm having that, it could be because like I haven't spent enough time with myself, just quiet time, like reflecting on my thoughts or processing some anxiety. So I'm like, okay, I'm having this bad day. I'm going to make a point later this evening to set aside an hour where I just like light a candle, put my journal out, start writing, like just do something purely for me. I, I really tried to to figure out like what is it that I'm needing. It could also be like I'm feeling a strain in some relationship or some friendship, and so I'm starting to like feel that in my body. And okay, what do I need to do this afternoon? And I need to call someone and like have a really vulnerable conversation with them and get back to that place. And sometimes that that's what I need to to make peace with my body that day. Um, so. That's that's kind of the approach I take on a day to day basis, and then on a on a wider scale, you know, I'm always working on intuitively eating. I'm always working on focusing on joyful movement. So I'm really working on shifting from doing forms of movement that I think are just going to change my body, and actually moving towards types of movement that are going to make me feel like more mentally clear, more strong things that feel good versus things that I think are going to make me look good. So I've noticed that that shift in how I approach movement and how I approach exercise actually fills me up more than any other types of exercise or movement I've done in the past. So those are, those are kind of the big like, pillars that I work on when I'm working on my relationship with my body. Do you feel like whenever you first started working at the eating disorder clinic, do you feel like it took a long time for you to like fully internalize like all these things that you're sharing? Like, do you feel like there was like a peak almost of like, oh, wow, I'm around, you know, eating disordered conversation like all day long. Like, I feel like that would make me think about my body times like a hundred. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It definitely did. And in 
honestly in in the best of ways i think because it did force me to develop a relationship with my body instead mm-hmm. of having it on the back burner like instead of just considering it as like a topic to be discussed of like oh yeah body image i know this is the three things i'm supposed to say I really had to feel it for myself. You have to believe it for yourself because your clients can read right through you, can smell something fishy <laughs> if you're not fully invested yourself, right? They're they're smart and you know, we're all smart, but they're really smart. So they're going to feel if if you're not confident in what you say when you're sharing with them, like they are they're going to read that and they're going to be like, look, if it doesn't work for you and you're the professional, there's no hope for me. Yeah. So like in order to, to pass on that sense of hope that things can be better, I had to do that and I had to do it like pretty quickly, I would say. Um, but also you, part of that is that I'm seeing every day how much being, having a fraught relationship with your body totally disrupts your life. Like, These are people who are at their sickest and coming to us because they need 24 seven care. So I'm seeing kind of at the, what happens when your body image gets so, um, so poor from, for most of the clients, right? So poor that it disrupts your work. It disrupts your social relationships. Um, It like, it becomes what you're fixated on day in and day out. And I was like, okay, that, that's one choice. That's one thing that I could do is is spend my time like fixating on how to make myself quote unquote better, or I can really start practicing what I've been learning and practice what I preach and see where that gets me. And I would say like the first few months of being in this job, it really started to be like, okay, yeah, this is like the more I practice it and the more I use these mantras that I'm teaching my clients, the almost more second nature, it feels like at this point, a lot of the things that I used to have to tell myself out loud, they're just there. They're just thoughts Mm. that automatically come up. And um, I think that's been the biggest shift throughout my work is that it's gone from being really intentional of like, okay, I have to notice when the negative body image thoughts are coming up. Like the first step is just the awareness, then reframe that thought and keep doing it, like keep practicing. And that just became second nature over time. Um, but yeah, I think that that it, it was a process, like it didn't, didn't come easily and it doesn't come easily for most people. And that's what can be really discouraging yeah. in your relationship with your body is that like a lot of what I tell my clients is like, it makes sense when you're first starting this, you're not gonna believe anything that you tell yourself because any, like body neutral statements for the most part are are going against the current of what society tells us about our bodies. So it's going to feel like very unnatural, like you're writing with your left hand, if you're right handed, it's going to feel very uncomfortable, very natural until, you know, you've done that for long enough where it isn't. Um, So yeah, I, I always explain to them like, yeah, it makes sense. It doesn't come to you right away. But the more that you practice and the more that you do this, it, it does get easier. And you can still have bad days, bad body image days, even when that does get easier. But you'll have that that toolbox of, of coping skills, that toolbox of mantras to always go to at that point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ugh, Julia, can we just have you on every week? Uh, for real. 
Okay. Well, while we're on the topic, would you mind telling us just some like common themes that you see with people's body image struggles? Yes. So some common themes that come up a lot in sessions are like the origins of their body image. So one activity that we do is, is like your body story through a tree. So we kind of like look at the roots. So where, like, where did your beliefs come from? So for a lot of people, um, yeah, it would be family, could be your family members telling you things about your body, could be things you learned at school um, from friends. Um, for our athletes who come in, a lot of what they learned is through their sport. So through coaches and expectations of how I'm look, supposed to look as this type of athlete. Um, and that applies outside of sports, right? So um, people who are pursuing acting or, or anything where there's some expectation of how you're supposed to look, people internalize that from a young age. So a lot of themes come up in regards to like, this is what I've known my whole life. So how can things be different? And how can there be another truth about my body? Um, a lot, and this is going to come as a surprise to no one, is because of social media, there's so much comparison. So, you know, even we can know logically that photos on social media are photoshopped and highly edited. And yet, most people are coming in with thoughts of, but I don't look like this girl and she's in my class, so I should look like her. And like, there's just so much comparison on a daily basis and, and you're just flooded with images of, of how someone that with a similar identity as your own is looks and how you're supposed to look that that comes up quite a bit of how do I separate myself from those ideas of what I'm supposed to look like, even when that's the world I'm going to go back to. So for a lot of our clients, they're like, yeah, this is all nice and warm and fuzzy when we're in, when we're in the center, because all of the staff here are so like body neutral and they carry themselves differently. But when I go home, I'm going to be faced with the same triggers that, that got me here. So a lot of what we're working through is just getting to a place where you're so boundaried that like the urge to compare to other people goes down a bit, right? There's still always going to be that urge because we're human and, you know, we, we look side to side and we're going to see other people, but it's knowing that, okay, diversity is something to be celebrated rather than to be um, like quelled. That makes sense. Um, a lot of what we see as well is like this idea that you're, body kind of is a reflection of how worthy of love you are too so a lot of clients feel like if I don't look a certain way I won't be accepted like someone won't accept me in a romantic way like my friends won't accept me the same way my family won't like it will make me less worthy of humanity basically like being treated like a human being if if I gain weight if my body changes people won't see me the same way so that's some of the really deep stuff when it comes to body image is that we're afraid of not being loved. And so that's something that we, and we can see our bodies. So it's something that we can easily place blame on. Um, so that's part of it. And, and like I mentioned earlier too, there might be some trauma related to our bodies that brings up a lot of shame. Um, so, you know, working through that shame and understanding that it's not our body's fault for, for what we went through is really important. 
Um, so yeah, those are, are, are definitely some themes. And um, finally, the, the last theme that I see quite a bit is that idea that I mentioned earlier of weight stigma. So a lot of people who are in larger bodies have, have been stigmatized. They have a lot of internalized weight stigma and thoughts about their, their body and their worthiness because of the way society is shaped and the environment in which they are and the ways in which they're discriminated against. Um, so those are, are some of the big umbrellas under which like body image tends to come up. I have a follow-up question to your umbrella about comparison. Do you often see people comparing their bodies to a previous version of their bodies? Cause I feel like that's something that I struggle with. I'm not looking at myself compared to other people, but I am looking at myself compared to what I look like four or five years ago. Yes. Totally common. That's one of our biggest ones too, is that there are people who are like, no, I don't have a problem with social media or the person to my left or right. It's myself. Like I'm comparing myself to how I was in high school, how I was in college, how I was like, like, like you said, for, for you, it might be even before I was a mom and now I'm a mom. Like I talking to my own mom about that. There's, there's so much comparison of looking at her pictures when she was a young mom versus now and she's like oh but I was like this and this is how I look I'm like mom you you've been a mom for 25 plus years of course your body is gonna look different but a lot of times our our like biggest comparisons are to ourselves and like a slightest difference in a photo from two years ago to now we tend to to almost interrogate ourselves of like, do I look different from then to now? Like, what's going on? Why is that? Instead of being like, oh, that makes sense. Like, our bodies change as a mechanism of survival. Like, it's really cool that our bodies do that to get us through different phases of life. And like, we used to celebrate that. And now it's something that we like scorn. We're like, how, oh my God, how dare she not look like she did five years ago, she must be going through something. And maybe she is. And what's wrong with that? Like, why don't we ask about that instead of focusing on her body? So yeah, that totally comes up quite a bit is is getting people comfortable with the fact that really having healthy body image and really getting to a place of body acceptance doesn't mean I accept my body as it is now. It means I accept my body unconditionally. So how it looked yesterday, how it's going to look today and how it looks like three years from now. That's, that's one of the hardest things to do, but that's the ultimate goal is like understanding that we are meant to change and that's okay. And that's actually important for us. That's important for our, our longevity. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like you've already given us some really good resources on how to like improve your relationship with your body. Um, but what are, what are some other ones that you have? Cause I, I so appreciate this conversation cause there's so much of what you're saying that I'm like, Oh, like, Oh yeah, I do this all the time. Like I think about this so much and there are other ways of being like, it doesn't have to be like this in my brain all the time. So I'm always a big proponent of books because I'm a big reader. So I always start with like, here are some good books for you to read. Um, one of my favorites for body image is My Body is Not an Apology. It's by Sonia Renee Taylor. 
and there's also a workbook that comes with it. So I really like it as well because it's sometimes when you're reading a book, you're like, okay, well, what do I do next? Um, and she's mm-hmm. really good about giving you prompts about what to do next. Um, and I also really like it because she's talking about how a lot of times like, our beliefs about our bodies and negative body image allows like systems of oppression to perpetuate. And so she's talking about how like by building more self-compassion for ourselves and our bodies, we're also fighting against those systems of oppression for so for all the social social justice warriors out there, this is a really great book for you all. And like for people who are really struggle with maybe um, finding internal motivation for improving that relationship, this is a good way to be like, okay, if not for yourself, for other people, you can work on your relationship with your body. Um, so I love that one. And then I know um, Gracie is going to love this recommendation, but The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. is <laughs> I do love it. <laughs> yeah, it, that's a really good one because one of the mechanisms by which like negative body image flourishes is perfectionism, right? Like, oh, I'm, I, you're, we're flooded with all these images from social media, from society of like how we're supposed to look quote unquote perfect. And if we don't look perfect, then we're inadequate. So her book does a really good job of challenging that idea of, of um, like imperfection equals inadequacy. She just kind of turns that on its head. So I love that book for, for that reason. And um, you know, she gives, she also gives some good tools for, for working on that. Um, and some other things that, that like, aside from, from those wonderful books, just some like, things that you can start doing without having to read or listen or whatever is, and it's pretty simple is diversifying your social media feed. So if you only see people from even just from your circle of close friends, you're likely only seeing people who, who look somewhat like you. And so even if it's like, not people who fixate on their bodies, you're still having a very narrow vision of what bodies can look like. So what I always encourage is like, just follow people that look very different from you, who come from very different backgrounds than you, who are interested in things that are different than you, or who maybe are interested in the same thing, but they just look different because you want to start like, you know, instead of being like, okay, just delete your Instagram. Because for a lot of clients, that's just not something that they see within their realm of possibility. What can, how can we use social media to actually like create an environment that's healthier? So I find that one of the best ways to do that is just to diversify your feed. Um, Maybe for some people that means like just not following people who post their bodies at all. Like you might just find um, interior design accounts that you really enjoy or things that just bring you happiness in a different way. That's another way of changing up your feed a little bit. Um, but also being like off of social media, but talking more about TV and movies and what we, what we're looking at on a daily basis, like being really conscious of what you're watching. Are you always watching shows where there's the same type of bodies on there? Or are you making an effort to watch things that are outside of like what your normal interest is? Um, because those are likely things that like, those are some ways in which you internalize what a body should look like. So it's important to go out of your comfort zone and 
look at people who are just different than you and understand difference is something to be celebrated rather than, you know, discouraged. Um, so those are some kind of basic ways that and some, some resources that I, I try to give out when, when working on body image. Those are great. Thanks. Would you say that there's any time when it's acceptable to focus on losing weight? This is a wonderful question. And yes and no. So I think that one thing when it comes to, to weight loss in general, when, when I have clients who come in and say, but I still want to lose weight, like the biggest thing is validating, like, of course you do, because we live in a society that glorifies smaller bodies and um, like discriminates against larger bodies. So it makes sense you want to lose weight. And like a lot of times where we think that weight loss promises us a certain way of being or feeling. And so it makes sense. But then I'm always going to ask, like, what is it that you're trying to to get from weight loss? Like, what do you think it's going to earn you? Because a lot of times, like what, what weight loss promises is a false promise. And what research shows is like, weight loss doesn't give us the health outcomes, whether that be physical, mental, in the way that that social media or, or people in general have told us told us that it will. So, you know, there's a lot of thoughts of like, okay, if I could only lose X amount of weight, I will feel happier. But more often than not, there's never an X amount of weight that leads to happiness, or leads to that outcome, like, feeling more comfortable in your body, um, feeling healthier, like there's no amount of weight that does that for you. So the, the piece that I work on with my clients is like, okay, if we know that weight loss isn't the answer, what are some other things that you could do that get you to that same feeling? So like if someone comes in and they're like, you know, I just feel tired all the time. I don't want to get up. I don't want to move. I just like I'm exhausted all the time instead of going to what their doctor might tell them is like, why don't you try losing weight? I'm going to ask them like, okay, what are some changes that you can make in your life that might lead you to feel more energetic? Like, is it improving your sleep schedule? Is it going outside and taking a walk more often? Is it like, being mindful about how you eat, increasing like your intentionality around meal planning. Like what are the behaviors that you think will lead to those outcomes rather than focusing on weight loss itself as the outcome? Um, and sometimes we have clients who who start doing that and, and research shows that there are people who, who start doing that, focusing on the behaviors rather than the weight loss. And they do lose weight, like they do because they they change the way that they do things but their goal is much different. And so, you know, when you're motivated by, by the outcomes of like feeling more energized, of being able to move more efficiently, you're more likely to actually do the behaviors that get there versus like just seeing a number on a scale that's not as motivating as some people think it is. Um, so that's kind of the, the shift that I'm trying to make is like, it's not you're changing your body is not going to solve those deeper issues that, that you think it might. It's, it's first 
seeing what behaviors you can change. And then also like doing the deeper work of, of healing that relationship with yourself as well of like, why do I feel like I'm unworthy of love? It's, it's, not your body that's that's leading you to feel that way. It's something else. And so addressing that instead of kind of sticking a Band-Aid on it and being like, yeah, I'm just going to lose some weight and start feeling more accepting of myself. Like that, and that's something I've learned through my work specifically. Like um, it it doesn't work. <laughs> it hasn't worked for one of my clients. It hasn't, I haven't been proven wrong in, in that regard. So um, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty, um, passionately about that just because experientially I haven't seen it done research shows that it's it's very very low percentage of people who um, successfully maintain weight loss and like the health outcomes that they're pursuing so okay I would like to give you my specific example and use this as personal therapy because it's our podcast <laughs> and I can yes <laughs> we do what we want here yeah, do it. Okay. I found myself saying this to Anna the other day. And then when I was writing the questions that I wanted to ask you today, I was thinking about the fact that I said it. I, in my brain was thinking like, oh, I would like to lose some weight before we have our second kid, like before I get pregnant with our second child. That That's mm-hmm. in my brain, like, oh, I would like to do that. And the, the, there's two reasons that I, that probably have other root causes. But I was thinking, I... At the begin, the first trimester of my pregnancy, lost weight, lost fifteen pounds, and obviously that wasn't super healthy because it was because I was nauseous all the time. Um, yeah. But afterwards, like once I started eating again, I felt great. Maybe that was mm-hmm. a honestly probably it was a byproduct of the second trimester, like high. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel more like myself in this body this Mm -hmm. like lighter and also pregnant body than I have in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that because of my BMI, I am considered at risk for things during a pregnancy that I wouldn't be if I had lost five pounds before I got pregnant and hearing that repeatedly over the course of my pregnancy was hard. So Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'll just, you know, like get under that BMI before I get pregnant again. And I won't have to hear it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Thoughts Mm -hmm. on that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lots of thoughts. Yes. (laughs) That's a perfect example of doctors being stigmatizing based on weight. Because if you think about it, right, like their doctors are so fixated on BMI, which I, I can't remember if I talked about this in the last episode, BMI in general, but it's we did, yeah, because it, yeah, I, I'd heard it before, but it, I think it was really reassuring to hear your feelings on it. So, for those of you listening, if you haven't heard Julia talk about BMI, please go back and listen to that. Please, yes. Thankfully, my, my I feel really proud that all of my clients like BMI doesn't even come up because they know how how I feel about it and like how flawed it is. That they're like, okay, I know I can't use BMI in my sessions as a reason for her to decrease my meal plan. Like, what else can I do? So, um, <laughs> you know, it's just that instead of really asking you like, how is your pregnancy going? How do you feel like you've been feeling? And kind of going, walking with you along that journey, it's much easier to say, like, I see on your chart, this is your BMI. If you lose five pounds, 
then we won't have to worry about these things. It's kind of like a script instead of really digging into like, is this person truly at risk for these things? Or am I just scaring her by reading off a list of things that are mentioned in this BMI bracket, which already is arbitrary, right? So I I totally get that. And what the doctor is doing is is really like reinforcing that weight stigma of people who are in this BMI, I'm just going to read off these things. And and you've internalized that as like, I just don't want to hear that anymore. Like, I just want to be treated like any other mom who comes in here. And that's how you should be treated. But like I said, the experiences like that make it make so much sense as to why you're like, yeah, if I just lost five pounds, they would stop nagging me about this. And it makes sense. And the negative consequences of pursuing that weight loss oftentimes are more risky than any of those perceived risks of like what a little decimal on the BMI is saying that it's going to happen to you. So I think it's more about thinking about like for you personally, what could be some of the negative consequences of pursuing weight loss? And also could you shift to a place where you're like, you know, I started eating this certain way and I noticed that I was feeling better eating in a certain way versus like pursuing that number. Or I noticed that when I started moving more frequently, I felt more comfortable in my body. Like I, I, you know, when you're thinking about having a second kid is, are you like in the body that you're in feeling comfortable running after Delaney and doing all the things that you want to do? Like, I think that it's much more valuable to set up goals like, okay, by my second kid, I want to be able to, to like watch two kids without feeling X, Y, and Z and with feeling A, B, and C. So I think those tend to be more like health oriented goals than that number in and of itself. And you can, and that's the thing is you can still have health oriented goals without involving weight loss and without that being the central focus, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Thank you for telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so fascinating. There's such a, a, a need for like weight neutral care at all levels of like life. When I hear you talk about pregnancy and motherhood, I'm like, oh, that's another area that I could do some work in. And it's really hard for insurance to approve um, nutrition care if you don't have an eating disorder. And so that's that's where it gets really tricky. Is there are a lot of people who could benefit from just being able to ask those type of questions exactly of like, look, my doctor's telling me this. What do you think? Like there's so much needed support in that area and such a lack of it because of, again, what our insurance po- companies won't do for us. So for sure. And the other thing too, like just nutrition wise with mothers is you know, your requirements change when you're pregnant and also afterwards, like breastfeeding, recovering mm-hmm. from a C-section, those types of things. Like I realized that part of my problem, I, I didn't mention this, but part of why I'm struggling is because I gained weight after I gave birth. Like mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. I gained weight during my pregnancy, obviously, but then like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I gained fat after I gave birth which has been hard on me mentally. But I think part of the problem is with the breastfeeding, I'm hungry all the time. And then I Mm -hmm. realized that I wasn't eating enough protein. And that like, Mm -hmm. since I've switched to eating a bunch of protein, especially first thing in the morning, that's, it's helped a lot. And Mm -hmm. if I had known that earlier than like, probably that would have helped. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is that they're like, just even knowing like 
that in itself of like, okay, you have to vary different macronutrients and micronutrients throughout the day. Like that simple information can be so helpful. And like a lot of times we don't even know that type of information because we're so lost in the like idea of, yeah, but it doesn't matter what you eat as long as your body and your weight is this. It does really matter. Like eating a balanced uh, like variety of things throughout the day affects your satiation, like affects how you're feeling. Do you feel full? Do you feel satisfied? That sort of thing. And those things just kind of get brushed under the rug for the sake of, oh, okay, as long as your weight is X, Y, or Z, like don't worry about the minutia or over fixate on the minutia instead of saying like, why don't you eat a few more eggs at breakfast time? Like, oh, some, some dietitians or doctors will be like, okay, this many grams of protein. And then as a new mom, I'm sure you're not thinking like, <laughs> how do I get in my, my new, like extra X amount of uh, grams of protein? You're like, it's much easier to conceptualize types of changes where it's like, just get in a few more of this, a little more of that throughout the day. Like that would be more helpful, but yeah, I, I feel for you. And, and I think that we could do a whole other podcast too on, on raising kids and what to do in, in terms of helping them have a healthy relationship with food in their bodies. Like that's a whole other. Yeah. I actually think that's been a big motivator for me to like really nip some of this like bad behavior in the bud. Cause I'm like, I do not want to pass it on to anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even you having that thought in and of itself is like a protective factor of not wanting to because definitely encountered some parents who are like, no, this is, this is like, I need to do this. I need to tell my child to lose weight. And I need to tell them like, they need to know and have judgments about their body because that's what health is. So even you having the thought of like, okay, I can do something different. Like it doesn't have to look that way is a huge step forward. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, like the place that we first learn about our bodies is normally from our family. How do you even parent through that lens when you're talking specifically about body image? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's so tough. It is tough. And I think that that's something I also, we talk about with in like group settings is that a lot of our parents are really well-intentioned. Like a lot of the things that they told us when we were growing up about food and our bodies was what they learned from our pediatricians and and their doctors before them. So it wasn't, yeah, like you said, in a way to set in a way that that was meant to harm us or hurt us or anything like that. It was well-intentioned and it can still be flawed and we can still move forward differently. Um, And I think like Bracey said, the, the best first step for anyone is just working on that relationship with yourself because just like my clients can can read right through me, right? Your your kids will be able to read what your comfort level in your body is. And a lot of our clients say, you know, my mom never even talked about her diets or or she never commented on on me, so like the client themselves, but she made so many comments about her own body and its inadequacy that they picked up the message like if my mom thinks she's not enough, then surely she thinks I'm not enough or surely I'm not enough. So it really starts with just how you talk about yourself and how you hold yourself, the things that you do in your day-to-day life, like your behaviors, all of that almost matters more than anything that you say. So I think that that's like the most important thing when it comes to, to 
parenting, especially in the early stages, is just being an example of like, look, my even if it's that your relationship with your body is in process, knowing that it's like it it is a process and it's something that can continue to grow and be worked on rather than something that's fixed and and just in one place, if that makes sense. And I guess the way I look at it is I'd rather see her I'd I'd rather her see me doing my best to like improve my relationship with my body than like me doing nothing because then she, uh, I hope she'll know that like she should also prioritize her relationship with her body. And that it's a journey. Like what I feel like Julia, what you were, what you were saying about it's something that you have to choose every day and it's something that will take time. I feel like a, like that sucks that you can't just like do this one thing and it'll be better. Like that sucks. But, That's what we all wanted to hear, but it was yeah, not. It's, it's unfortunately not, not what she said. Um, but I think it's great to know that. Like it's great to be like, okay, this is going to be a long process because it is so internalized. Like this stuff is just, it seeps in from all the directions um, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of dedication to change that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's exactly it. And a lot of times we I get clients that are frustrated. They've been in treatment for like two to four weeks and they're like, I'm doing all the things. I'm like repeating all the phrases that we've talked about. And I go home and I do the exercises in the mirror that we've talked about and nothing's changing. And I'm like, okay, think about your four weeks compared to the amount of, of your lifetime that you've been internalizing these messages about your body. It's going to take, it won't take the same amount of time, you know, for someone who's coming in in their thirties, I'm not going to say like, yeah, wait for 30 years from now, then you'll start to feel, it won't take that long, but it is going to take a concerted amount of effort and time for, for, for that relationship to heal. Just like, you know, just like any other injury, right? When you break a leg, you don't expect it to go back to normal even after the cast is off, right? You have to go to physical therapy Mm -hmm. and work on your exercises and rebuild strength. That's the same, same thing that's going on when you're working on your body image. Yeah. All right. This next question is honestly, as I'm reflecting on it, which I often do when we're recording, is a personal question for me to determine, do I need help? Am I above or below like what Julia thinks? Um, <laughs> so, okay. So do you feel like there are a normal or like an average amount of like negative thoughts to have about your body per day? <laughs> I feel so silly. Even. The fact that I wrote this question out, but I did talk about this on, on one of our episodes, I think a, a few ago. Yeah. Like what's normal? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. even know. So tell us. So, um, thankfully, there is no normal for for oh, non negative okay. body image. <laughs> so you're in the clear there. The way I kind of look at it is just just like everything else that we've been kind of talking about is like in the context of your life, are the amount of negative body image thoughts affecting you to the point that you aren't able to participate in the other aspects of your life? So if you get so many negative body image thoughts that you're like, I can't go to social events, I can't go out to eat, I'm not leaving my house, like I can't go to school, you can't do the things that you need to do to live your life normally, 
then that's that's when I would start to seek help. Not that it's not normal, it's still totally okay, but it's just that at that point when it's starting to disrupt your normal pace of life, it's like, okay, that's when you might need someone else to kind of swoop in and just help you for a little bit. Or, you know, like with my clients, if your body image is getting so bad that that it's affecting your eating and you notice that your eating behaviors are becoming so wrapped up in how you look, then that's another time that you could involve a professional. But other than that, you know, our our body image thoughts are going to really range even from day to day. Like some days we're going to wake up and just not really have thoughts about it. Not even necessarily that we're going to wake up and be like, wow my body, I'm just loving it today. Like that's not the the goal that I'm trying to promote for my clients. It's getting to a place more where it just doesn't come up those thoughts about your body. Like you don't consider it as something that needs to be considered basically. Um, but then there are going to be other days where like maybe you're going swimming, you're going to the beach or you're going out or you're even just wearing shorts those type of days might trigger a lot of body image and a body image thoughts and might trigger a lot of comparison. So on days like that, it might be normal that you have quite a bit of negative body image thoughts and it, it's going to take a lot more of your, your self-care to combat those. Um, so I think that it's, it's kind of just paying attention to like how it affects other aspects of your life. And also how frequently you're having like a very increased number of thoughts. So if it's starting from when you wake up to when you go to sleep and that's happening many days of the week, then that might be something to pay attention to. But bad body image days in themselves are completely normal. And they're just like we were talking about earlier just a call to action of like, what does my body need right now? Like, it's just your body's way of telling you that you haven't paid attention to it. You haven't cared for it recently in a way that that it needs. So kind of taking that bad body image day as a cue for doing something differently than you had been in the past is a good way to spin it of like, okay, I'm really struggling with this. Is that because I'm generally anxious and I'm going to my body because that's an easy thing to blame and a quote unquote easy thing to fix. Or is it because I just haven't like done movement that feels good to me in a while and I haven't given myself that self-love that I need. So all of that to say, there's no normal, but the frequency and the strength of those thoughts can be indicators to us of what we need to do. Do we need to just pay more attention to ourselves or do we need to seek professional help? Um, And yeah, and I think, you know, when it's just the former, you know, practicing those reframed thoughts and sometimes that's what a professional helps you do is sometimes you're like, I don't know, I just hate the way my stomach looks and that's it. Like, I don't, I can't think of anything to reframe that thought. And that's mm-hmm. when someone who who knows what they're talking about can really help you think of a way to reframe that so that you can start practicing reframes. So if you still feel really stuck in the judgments and you're like, I really don't know how to come up with a new way of thinking, that can be something that you ask for help on. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I would go about and think about like a normal amount of negative body image thoughts. Can you give us an example of a reframe? 
on, I just hate how my stomach looks. Yes, I can. So if someone comes in and, and says, man, I hate the way my stomach looks today. Like the process that I take for a reframe is I start with a validation. So yeah, you might be feeling really insecure about how your stomach looks. Um, so then from validation, then I go into like a different way of thinking about it. So um, you might be feeling insecure about your stomach, but the friends that you're about to go out with aren't looking at your stomach. That's more just a reflection of, of feeling uncomfortable, but your friends see you as more than just your stomach and they want to spend time with you because you're funny. So I have them go through that process of, <laughs> of validate your thought, right? Of course, you're, you're having this thought and that's okay validate and then think of something different and sometimes what helps with reframes too when you're like I don't know there's nothing is like what you might tell a friend who's sharing that same thought with you so if your friend were to come up to you and be like my stomach just looks terrible today like it's easier to be like what the heck no like I didn't even notice your stomach so those sort of that can be another way to practice reframes is like step back what would a friend say to you in this moment? Or what would you say to a friend? Use that thought. And like I said earlier, even if you don't believe it, you just have to keep practicing and practicing. So that's that's one example of a reframe. You mentioned mantras earlier. Would you mind telling us some of your favorites? Some of my favorite mantras. I think that the thing with mantras is, is sometimes out loud, they... They sound a little cliche or cheesy, but they still tend to work for me internally. So I'm going to share my mantras at at the risk of being vulnerable to your audience. But some of the mantras that, that I use for myself are, your body is deserving of love, of food, of care, even when you're feeling negatively about it, and even more so when you're feeling negatively about it. So that's one of the mantras that I use. Um, your body is not a reflection of who you are. So that's kind of a short and pithy one that I like to use. Just my body doesn't reflect my value. My body isn't you know, how people see me. Another one that's kind of an offshoot of that is like, none of my friends are my friends because of my body. Like that one is is really helpful for me recentering and a lot of times i feel myself when i'm thinking of body image i when all of us are thinking about body image we tend to get out of the rational part of our brain and we go into the very heightened emotional piece and we're like oh so sometimes i just try to bring it back to thoughts like that that are a little more reason based of yeah, like no my friends aren't friends with me because of my body and I think that that tends to be really grounding. Um, Another one that I really love and use is that even if we all ate and move in the exact same way, our bodies would still look different. And that one helps me think of of body diversity and that aligns with my values of, of appreciating and embracing diversity. So I also try to think of mantras that like, really align with my values too. So I find that that tends to help people as well. Um, a lot of times with my clients, I'll ask them to like share a mantra that they've come up with. And you notice like they just, the the look in their eyes just gl- like um, glosses over. And I'm like, that one doesn't, 
you don't relate to that one. So that's not going to work. Like you have to find, (laughs) you have to find a mantra that like resonates with your values. So if your value is um, like community, you know, um, my body allows me to be connected to other people. Like my body is the, the vessel in which I get to connect with others. Like those are, are some mantras that, that I find helpful um, and how I kind of guide clients to find their own as well. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. All right. One last personal question. <laughs> what would you tell a client who has trouble with how they look in pictures? We are asking for friends, not ourselves. <laughs> this is for friends, for other people. <laughs> oh, this one is, is again, so common because of Instagram, our lovely friend Instagram. I guess Facebook also before this, we started posting pictures and like doing that whole thing. Um, so there's two things with when it comes. No, there's not two things. There's many things when it comes to the photo is first, like I ask clients not to fixate, like bottom line we look different in almost every photo that's taken of us. And that could be like, we turn our face a different way. We have our body face a different way. Clothing does a weird thing. Like there's so many ways that a photo doesn't reflect the way that we're feeling in that moment. And that's okay. Like photos are just there to mark a moment in time. And for us to look back and be like, okay, that like, I remember doing that. And like most photos that we see of ourselves from like high school or, or earlier period, we what comes up for us a lot of the times is just like, oh, haha, that was a really funny point in time. We're not like, oh my God, those that pimple was so big. Like, how come no one called me out? So I tried to kind of like bring some levity to that. Um, sometimes like if you see a photo and more than just the body, it reminds you of a time that that you were really sick or really sad or really struggling. It's also okay to delete that photo. Like for a lot of our clients, they'll see certain photos that are really triggering of like a really dark, sad time in their life. And I'm like, you know what? Delete it because you're you're starting fresh. You're you're getting a fresh chapter, and like you don't need to be reminded of the worst version of yourself. Like that's okay too. Sometimes you want to delete a photo and that's totally okay. Because the thing is, is like our, our cameras and our phones have an ability to take so many now that they didn't used to that we have a lot that like, it's okay to to delete a few here or there, if that wasn't a time in your life that you want to look back on fondly. So all of that aside, I think the thing about photos that kind of can, can really be highlighted for us is that our bodies are a reflection of our personal stories. So it kind of goes along to what I was talking about with, with moms and earlier in the podcast is that like as moms, our bodies are telling the story of, I say our, I haven't had a baby yet, but I'm guessing this is, this is how it would feel, but our bodies are, telling the story of the work we've done to bring another human being into this world. Like that is amazing in and of itself. And I think that this whole culture of like moms needing to bounce back and like our expectations for celebrity moms to to look a certain way in a certain amount of time, it's like total erasure of the fact that 
they did this really cool thing with their body and like erasure of that part of their life. And I think that that's totally not cool. And so that's one piece too, is that thinking of our bodies of just this vessel of all our stories, like the good and the bad. And sometimes that can be helpful too. If you've, you've had a lot of struggle early in life, you've had some traumatic events come up. Like I had one client describe it as like, my body has, has these battle wounds that I used to, to really hate looking at. And now I can recognize them as like, what helped me get through that time. Like I have these wounds, these scars, but they're actually like a beautiful reflection of what I've been through versus something that needs to be erased or fixed. Um, yeah. And, and I think lastly, the, like I've to echo what I've, I've mentioned before is that like our bodies are focusing on the fact that our bodies are all meant to be unique and having a picture of that. It's just a reflection of like, how beautiful diversity is and how cool it is like that. Um, despite maybe doing the same things as other people, we are going to look different and thinking about like evolutionarily, especially people in the U S we've all like our parents our grandparents or ancestors, whatever have like likely immigrated from a variety of places throughout the world where our body types were, were like, helped us survive in that setting. So sometimes it can be, we forget that when we're judging our bodies in the current day and age, because now we're all in you know, a similar place, but our bodies developed as a means for, for keeping us safe in different environments. And so I think kind of having some gratitude for, for like the ways in which our bodies have developed in that time is, is another way to kind of look at, look at, photos that bring up a lot for you. I know that's a lot to do when you're merely looking at a photo, but you know, it's just layers to it. So sometimes you just get to step one, but, but sometimes you need that deeper work with that photo, you know, you just decide what you have time for. Julia, we truly like cannot thank you enough. Like these conversations are, they're just so filling in the best way. And like, I don't, yeah, I'm like, oh, we just need you to come on and tell us the same. I need you to come tell me this every day. <laughs> I need a repeat. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, well, I'm glad to do it. Cause like I said, I think that there's like a lack of, of nutrition support. Does general like body image support for people who are just struggling day to day versus needing like higher levels of clinical care. So I'm, I'm glad mm -hmm. that, that we're having these conversations and like hopefully shifting the wider conversation about, and just making it like easy to talk about these things. Like it's okay to talk about your bad body image out loud, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like most people don't have these types of conversations every day. So hopefully we're doing a little bit of good work. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. If you have any questions for Julia, you can email us at likeheartedpodcast at gmail.com or leave us some comments in Substack and we will make sure they get to her. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at likeheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye.